The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. So Panther Nation, welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. Today you got myself, Will, Kev, and JD. We're gonna take a look at the recent news today. You know, a lot went on, a lot of big news went on today, heading into the bye week. Then we'll look at the breakdown of the disaster against the Miami Dolphins uh, yesterday as well. So let's get uh, started with today's biggest news: uh, Christian McCaffrey, Panthers franchise running back, basically went down Sunday with an ankle injury. Uh, turns out he's actually been uh, placed on IR today. The injury was a lot worse than what they had originally thought. So, I mean, now we're going to be hearing a lot of questions about, you know, the Christian McCaffrey contract. You know, since he signed the deal, he's now played in only 10 out of the last 33 games over the last two seasons. Um, He's played well when he's been there. You know, we're, we're obviously a better offense when he's healthy, but you know, how often is that going to be? So, I mean, start with you, Kev. What's your thoughts on this uh, Christian McCaffrey injury and what's what do we got to look forward to going forward with him? Well, for me, with this Christian McCaffrey injury, um, he uh, someone rolled up on his ankle. Again, it just seems to be like these weird, freakish things that happen to him. You know, the, the uh, with the hamstring, you know, it went untouched, but we all know that was from fatigue, from having so many touches four days earlier against the Saints in week two. Uh, but for me, and I know I'm going to be in a minority with this, but, you know, I care less. I stand by what I believe in, um, but I don't really care nobody else's differences. Um, I just think at this point it's just a safe, uh, just a safe play, uh, really. Um, you know, with the, with the, uh, with the MRI. I mean, let, let's let's just be honest. You know, when he's you know when it's MRI Monday, man, you bound to hear anything coming under the Matt Ruler. You know, at least we didn't get any uh, any new terms like we did with uh, Sam Donald with the spatula, <laughs> you know, injury. At least we're just hearing, you know, um, you know they're saying they're not saying high ankle sprain. Um, from what I read, it just seems to be uh, ankle sprain. Um, I've heard other things, but I'm going to keep that on the hush until, you know, time rolls by uh, from, you know, a couple of people I've spoken that's spoken with me from the inside. But just in general, though, um, from a football X's and O's standpoint, um, this is something that um, Phantom fans shouldn't be unfamiliar with, uh, particularly the coaching staff shouldn't be unfamiliar with. Like I said, during the Matt Rule era, during the two, like before Matt Rule, I don't think McCaffrey missed any games. Um, since he got here 20 Rivera, but for whatever reason, during the turn with Matt Rule, it just seems that when these uh, freakish nagging injuries just start to pop up, um, don't know, you know, can't put any correlation there. You know, this is supposed to be someone who was a uh, master or someone who put a high demand on the sports science aspect. That was one of the things that he sold, that Matt Rule sold David Tepper on. Uh, to become the coach was the whole sports science 
aspect of keeping players healthy and things of that nature. Well, um, not sure why, you know, one of the more finely tuned, highly, um, you know, workout ethic guys around seems to keep getting nicked up. But, um, you know, it's just back to this running back by committee, um, Chuba Hubbard, you know, who um, who had the goof yesterday on the punt, punt block protection. Um, Amir Abdullah, um, I don't know who we're going to bring up now. I know we had recently cut Royce Freeman. Do we bring him back? Um, um, but I, overall, I just think that, you know, this is the, this is, you know, this is something that they're doing for whatever reason. Um, going into this bye, we had, had we been won the game and been six and six, I think this possibly would have been something different, but would it seem to be trending downward, even with the bye week coming up? I just feel like that this is something that the uh, team is doing to try to create flexibility. This now allows them to add a room on the roster spot to add uh, a, a late season addition to the team, whether this can um, somehow help the team out in the area that allow us to, you know, stop this bleeding that we're, that we're going through, who knows, but um, I'm still a fan of McCaffrey. Um, I love his contract. I don't have an issue with it. I know many are going to disagree or whatever the case, um, you know, but uh, it is what it is at this point. We just got to keep pounding and move forward. McCaffrey, we'll see you in 2022. What's your thoughts, J.D.? I know the talk of the fan base is going to be, do you supposed to, back to that overall topic, do you pay running backs? Now you see what goes on with Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, all these guys are getting hurt. Is this is there a fair point to you shouldn't pay running backs big contracts? If there's anything that I disagree more with, um, there's just not anything I disagree more with, honestly, especially for running backs. I, I think people have devalued running backs to a degree. Um, but when you have a guy that can impact the game, like, like a Dalvin Cook screen game, it doesn't matter. Zone, power, automatic four or five yards, as long as your O-line does your job, their job. Derrick Henry, a, a, a freaking workhorse for, for how many years since high school, bruh? Who wouldn't pay the man? I would. I backed two Britain's trucks up, straight up. Christian McCaffrey, best route running, running back in the league right now, hands down. No question about it. He can make a move to slot receiver right now and still eat. Full time. Who would not? 3K yard, bruh. Back to back without, what, a thousand and a thousand yards? Who do that? Who impacts the game like that, bruh? Nobody. Saquon Barkley might have been one of the most explosive running backs I've ever seen in my life. I would take him top 10 still. It, 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 I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the idea. And it's the same people that say um, you don't have to run the ball to, to, to run an effective play action pass. It's the same people. And I'm like, bro, it's about the effect on the game, bro. There, the reason why these guys get paid is because of their effect on the game. Straight up. And and I don't have a problem with the contract. Christian McCaffrey proved his worth well before this season. So I don't understand why people are acting like we um 
we we waited till this season or or when he was starting to get hurt to pay the man. The man is one of the best running backs in the league, straight up. You take him off this team, there is nothing. So if you let Christian McCaffrey walk after you invested a top 10 pick on him, you have nothing. You start over. DJ Moore, all them, they overrated to me. Anyway, well, I'm still heated from the last game. But not nah, nah, bro. I don't I, I can't get with that. And I, I think I think people are placing too much value on certain positions and not enough value on other positions. Like, nah, nah, just no, no, no. Chris McCaffrey is still one of our franchise cor- um, cornerstones. And we're just gonna see him next year, straight up. No, as long as there's no structural damage, no muscular damage, no much. This man, they acting like this man broke his leg or something. It's a it's an ankle sprain, bro. Come on, man. They rolled up on his. We saw it. <laughs> it's not like it's structural damage, none of that. And his game ain't even predicated on speed like that. He's the smoothest athlete in the NFL. People, he's gonna be able to play until he's thirty something. Maybe not running back, but he's still gonna be running his routes like he when he thirty something. It, it, I don't. I, I can't get with it. I, I think everything is crashing at the right time for people to be like, oh, well, this too, and then just look with the pessimist, a pessimistic view on everything that ever happens. So Matt Rule trips going into his press conference. There, there he go tripping again. Oh my God, we need a new coach. Random stuff, little stuff like that, bro. It, it, people just looking for a reason to be pessimistic at this time, bro. Christian McCaffrey's still our guy. End of discussion. And I think that's the key point. You know, what types of, you know, I think, is he really injury prone or is he just unlucky? I mean, last year, what type of injuries? We're talking about an ankle again, and we're talking about a shoulder. You know, this year it's a hamstring, which, you know, just happens on a short week on a Thursday game and another ankle here. So these aren't a long time. These aren't permanent injuries that are going to linger for him or career ending or career threatening and not going to slow him down. It's just nagging stuff that just happens in the normal course of the game. I just see him as a guy that's just unlucky. I mean, think about it. The running back touches the ball more than any other player. So, I mean, he's going to be exposed to those kind of hits more than anyone else. So, I mean, it's just something we got to deal with. Remember, he's still only on his fifth-year option of his contract. He haven't even started the extension portion of the deal yet. So, I mean, we still got, you know, at least one. I think it's two years. The way it's structured, I think we have an out in 2023. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, I think next year he can um, – is the first year of his deal. Then after that, the uh, team has an option. They can get out and save money if they release him or get out a trade or something like that. So, I think at a minimum, he will be on the roster next year and have another year to prove his worth with the value of that contract. But overall, just wish the guy healthy. I do feel bad for him. He's works hard as anybody. You know, he's we know what type of player he is when he's healthy. And I think he's probably more disappointed about his injury than any of us today. So, you know, hopefully best wishes to McCaffrey. Hope you get better. And next man up, let's just see what Amir Abdullah and Shuba Hubbard can do for the rest of the year. Now on to and one thing, yeah. Oh, just want to say this real quick. Uh, we'll just address the elephants in the room when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. You know, here the four man rush. You know, we don't bite our tongue. You know, we speak tactfully, but we also, you know, call a spade a spade. You know, the people who are down or ne- negative pessimists about 
Christian McCaffrey. Let's identify who they are and why. We have some, you know, simply by the fact they always thought he was too small, couldn't run between the tackles. He's disproved that. You know, we also had the ones that, and ironically, <laughs> I've seen it on both sides of black and white who have a problem because he's uh, a white running back, you know. Uh, we also have the ones that who done got caught up by the analytical nerds who seem to think that you could just plug anybody in at running back. Oh, because the Super Bowl champion teams running backs have averaged only $4 million. That shows that you can just have plugging anybody in a running back and they can leave you can be on a winning team when it simply does not work like that. Um, you know, I mean, I just, like I say, people don't get me wrong. People are entitled to their opinions, and we're not saying that you got to like Christian McCaffrey because we like him or Fred or anything like that. You all are, all fans are entitled to like who they like and dislike who they like, you know. But I've also seen a lot of these same fans that are, you know, quote high fiving themselves or for whatever reason feel like they they proven themselves correct because he's injury or because of some of these premeditated biased opinions and reasons that really have nothing to do with the actuality of the situation. You know, he's, uh, uh, you know, that's, I, I just thought we just, I just wanted to add that out there to it, that the ones that are, you know, beating their chests, you know, saying, I told you you shouldn't have paid McCaffrey. There's other motives behind why they've never really know who you are. We see the comments in the Panthers group, Panthers Twitter. So, you know, if you want to celebrate this, fine. That's your right to, but. You know, we know what it's all about, though. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the running back contracts, the guys on the field aren't doing a lot to justify it either and defeat the narrative. You know, McCaffrey, he just went to IR. Dalvin Cook hurt his shoulder yesterday. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Alvin Kamara's been out the last three weeks. Derrick Henry's on IRR, on IR, my bad. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott just hurt his heel. He might miss some time. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, the kind of time he's missed the last couple years. I think Aaron Jones had some nagging injuries uh, yesterday. So, I mean, it's a lot of um, issues with teams keeping running backs healthy. The wear and tear is catching up on these guys. Now we got 17-game seasons, so their touches are going to accumulate more and more and more. So, I mean, how much of it is on the teams just having to manage these guys' reps and their touches better? Because, I mean, Christian McCaffrey clearly isn't the only – running back this season and top tier running back at that is struggling with injuries. I just named several guys. We're going to miss a lot of time uh, this season. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think, you know, there's that running back contract talks going to really kick in the gear this off season, considering how poorly all of the guys have performed since they signed extensions. So back to the dolphin game. Now, unfortunately, we're going to talk about what happened yesterday. Uh, JD, I'll let you, you uh I'll let you talk. I'll let you start with it. Let's start at the top and talk about this coaching staff. Um we'll address this first comment up here, which I think is a good way to kick it off. Do you believe in the current regime after what you saw yesterday? It's it's tough to say that you believe in something and you're not seeing results, even what this is what the tail part of the second season. We still haven't figured out that guys on the O-line need to play together to get better together. We still haven't figured out um, an offensive identity outside of Christian McCaffrey and then bringing back Cam Newton as a cop-out. Like, there, there, there's just no 
there's no continuity. Like on the O line, defense crumbles. Like I, I, I honestly can't say that I do believe in him. But um, here's the caveat: I think not only did we underestimate the team that just beat Lamar Jackson, the former NFL MVP. Like they, they almost shut them boys out straight up. And I think we, we all went into this game looking forward and not understanding who the Dolphins are and how their strengths on defense directly correlate with our weakness on offense, which is pass protection. So I think it was a, it was a tough, it was a, a sobering game for us. There's there's nothing I saw from that game that gives me hope in the regime, but I'm sure nobody is gaining is getting any kind of hope from this previous game, especially you lose to a team like um, Miami, who has been up and down for like the last decade. Um, maybe a couple years ago they were getting ready to get or they were fighting for a playoff berth, but still it's Miami. Like everybody knows Miami. Um, as a team that's more fraudulent than they are contenders. So it, it nah, I, I can't say that I do trust the regime. I'm going to have to see um, this team come out their hair on fire after this bye week for me to even have a, even have a, a glimmer of hope at this point, honestly. Can you break it down a little bit? I mean, the Panthers, let's look at some things. We lead the league in penalties, right? After all of the talk on the offseason about DBO signs and don't beat yourselves, we lead the league in drop passes. So between those two penalties and drop passes, definitely beating ourselves. Next thing Rule likes to preach is the process, the brand, do your job. Well, I mean, we have a muff on a Chuba Hubbard, muffs on a pump block protection, allows the Dolphin player to come in untouched, straight to the punter, block the punt, get a touchdown there. Offensive line can't pick up a stunt to save their life. You know, secondary, you know, got breakdowns and coverage on the back end. So clearly, you know, gap control has been atrocious. So they're not getting the message about doing your job either. So between DBO and do your job, we're not seeing that translate to the field. So, Kev, my question to you is, do you think the players are responding to rule or does he have to do something different to get get something better out of his roster? My opinion is I don't I don't think the players are responding to uh, rules uh, methods. Again, rule is <clears throat> excuse me. Rule is bringing a lot of his college uh, proven ways that worked at Temple, that worked at Baylor, over to the NFL, <clears throat> and um, you know this whole thing about now I'm not sure prior before because it wasn't nothing I ever saw at training camp under Rivera, but the whole thing about running laps, uh, doing push-ups, you know, when you make a mistake, um, you know, these are the type of things that, you know, I did in high school, you know, I've seen in college, you know, not quite sure, you know, how, you know, grown men, millionaires, you know, relate and feel, feel to that. Some may respond to it. Um, some, some may not. Uh, it, but like you said, the, uh, the, the whole DBO thing that we had fun, you know, mocking Cam Irvin and others with um, throughout training camp. You know, did it get better? Nah, it didn't. <clears throat> um, but here's something I will say. I don't think that Matt Rule and them are 
like what we're saying on Sundays is not being preached during the week. Uh, what, what's what's going on? Um, you know, Sheena Quick, who's a friend of ours with Quick Blitz, uh, the four-man rush, she mentioned something today um, in her interview when she asked the question with Matt Rule, and she was stating that every week you're saying that the players had good week of preparation, yet the results on the field are not showing it. Um, why do you think that is? And I was thinking to myself, you know, that's a damn good question. You know, where where is this disconnect of what's taking place on Fridays, I mean, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and then we come out there and we just seem like a team that's caught in a deer in, in a deer in headlights. Um, so, so for me, I don't, I don't feel like that the players are buying into everything um, up under Matt Rule. It just seems to be, um, it's not there. Talent wise, I think this is a very talented team, individual talent um, for a year to rebuild, but. As far as just uh, it turning over, uh, just not seeing that. So I, I just think that the coaching aspect of it, whether it's coming from rule overseeing everything or from these uh, coordinators, Brady and Snow, or whether it's the, you know, these handful of assistant coaches that are position coaches that's working with the team. Um, something, something is just not, it's not, it's, it just seems not to be working. You know, when we got, well, I think you pointed out, Will, in the chat yesterday, what, Miles Hartsfield was covering, you know, Jalen Waddle at one point? Like, who does that? You know, why is, you know, fans were asking, I saw it on Twitter, why Stephen Gilmore is not locked up on the, the number one wide receiver? You know, why we can't put a former defensive player of the year just removed two years ago who played significant snaps yesterday, why is he not locking up the opponent's number one receiver? It just seems that they want to do it a certain way to prove themselves right versus doing what's going to work effectively. And I think that the players are, are really getting kind of frustrated with it. You know, I think the effort is there, but the execution is not. And I, I just think that, um, I just think that rule is losing the locker room. Yeah, man, I, mean, I was in a, you know, at least give them two years and year three, we'll see where we're at. But I mean, if we don't see a significant improvement over these next five games. I don't know how excited I could be for year three at this rate. So see if he's able to rally the guys up and finish strong. You know, AJ Jackson, <laughs> shout out to him. He wants to talk about Dante Burt Jackson. Huh? You know, man, look, but Dante Jackson, man, he's played against two very good wide receivers the past two weeks. You know, Terry McLaurin is one, probably the most underrated guy in the league today. The guy makes contested catches. The guy can get open on his own, you know, great hands. So losing reps to Terry McLaurin is nothing to be ashamed of. And Jalen Waddle, you're talking about a top six pick in the NFL draft. I think he was the fastest guy in the draft this year as well. He's going to become a great receiver in his own right. So I think it's back-to-back weeks. We just seen Dante cover two great wide receivers. And you just got to separate, you know, what's – you know, what, where's the reps where he's just flat out getting beat? You know, what do you do about that? It's a cornerback position. You're going to lose reps, right? You can't knock a guy for just losing a rep when he does everything right, but the receiver just makes a better play than him. Then what's the mental errors, you know, the lack of discipline, the technical errors? Like, the, for example, the Redskins game last week, you know, we're in the red zone. Dante's covering, I think it was uh, Cam Sims or one of their other receivers. 
and he's in man coverage and he's eyeing the quarterback instead of the hip of the wide receiver. Those are the things you can get on Dante on, slip-ups and technique, slip-ups in his coverage assignments. Okay, then, but just Dante getting beat by very good wide receivers, I don't think that's fair to criticize, you know, the guy. Because now you can argue maybe, you know, do you put Stephon Gilmore on a Jalen Waddle? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Steph ran a, what, 4-3-8 at the combine. But this point in his career, I don't know if he can keep up with a guy like Waddle. If you watch what they did in um, New England when they played the Chiefs and Tyree Kill, you'll see Stephon Gilmore actually shadowed uh, uh, Sammy Watkins, not Tyreek Hill. They put their other corner, Jonathan Jones, on Tyreek Hill and had a safety over top. So he would shadow the number two wide receiver, not the number one, when they played speed guys like Tyreek. So him shadowing a guy like Jalen Waddle, eh, that might have been a little too much to ask for, even with uh, Stephon Gilmore. I think Dante was the right matchup for Waddle. He just lost some reps, and it happens. You know, what's your thoughts on that, J.D.? I think people um, get into a basketball mindset, especially for um, like a, a guy like Kobe. He would guard the other team's best score, right? Uh, MJ would guard the other team's best score, straight up. Like AI, it doesn't matter. Um, for football, as long as your best corner can erase half the field, you're winning. Um, so it may not be the other team's best guy. But as long as Stefan's guy is on the island and locked up, it makes it easier for the rest of the defense. Um, so what I'm seeing, especially over these past two weeks, it's been a speed um, matchup they, they went for. So Dante um, Jackson um, on Terry McLaurin, who is a, a legit 4-3 guy, maybe lower on depending on the day, um, on Jalen Waddle, who is a legit 4-2 guy, um, probably lower on a better on, on depending on the day that that's not the matchup I'm concerned with as long as um Gilmore is out there locking up half the field um that's what I'm concerned with but what I will say is um if you got Gilmore out there um and you have um Dante Jackson over here um on the island with their fast guy give him safety help over the top and let him play aggressive that's what he's been doing that's what he does best. Um, Dante Jackson, most of his interceptions have come in zone coverage. Um, Dante Jackson is going to play the eyes of the quarterback and try to jump the route and take the ball away. That's what Dante Jackson is. So if you do have that guy on the other side that doesn't need the safety help or can play without the safety help, then why not shift that safety help over to Dante Jackson and let him play um, – let him play aggressive. Now that's not going to work in every situation, obviously like that whip route against um, Washington in the red zone where um, Dante Jackson jumps inside. Um, th that's not really going to help him there, but when we're looking at big plays down the field and Chuck plays, absolutely. I would do, I would consider doing that. Um, and I would even consider Dante Jackson moving to a free safety nickel type role for us. Um, so that's just something to look for going forward. Dante Jackson has not been a consistent issue for this defense. Let's let's get nip that in the bud right now. Like he's had maybe what two games, two bad games. Rest of the season been lights out. So uh, I think people need to look at the whole picture here. But yeah, Dante Jackson, I think he's still a baller. Um, I don't know if they um, give him another contract. I don't know how that's going to work out. 
Um, he definitely lost some money these last couple of games, but um, I'm still rocking with him. So what you're noticing too is Phil Snow is running a lot of he runs a lot of man coverage. That's why we got so many corners on the roster. So teams, particularly the last two weeks, they're running man coverage beaters. What are those? You know, either uh, four verticals. You know, my guy versus your guy. Get one beat. You know, you can run rub routes, deep crossers. You know, things that'll get your you know, corner knocked off the receiver, stuck in traffic to help free their receivers loose. So I don't think it's all on Dante. I think we also have to do a better job of, you know, not leaving them on an island and, you know, mixing up our coverages so we're not so predictable. Because once a team knows you love the man coverage, you know, they're going to alert, alert, alert and change to a man beater type route combination. And that's how they'll get you burned. So and that's coming to some of the routes you're seeing Dante get beat on too. Like, how are you going to ask a corner to cover sideline to sideline when a receiver is running a shallow cross or a drag or a dig? You know, coming across the field, if a quarterback has that much time to throw, and you got your corner having to chase this guy all the way across the field, no matter how fast he is, then he's going to get open eventually. So, I mean, I think it's a combination of both. You know, Dante, you know, showing poor technique and discipline at times, but on the other hand. I think Phil Snow's starting to leave him out to dry a little too much against wide receivers that need more attention than just one-on-one man coverage. Because elite receivers like Terry McLaurin, you know, a guy like Jalen Waddle, who I think will be elite one day, you know, they're not going to be – they can't be covered by one guy. You know, they're going to need safety help. You're going to need to mix up your coverage. You're going to need to use your help, know where your help is. So I like to see, you know, a lot of adjustments on the defensive side of the ball as well. I think they're starting to figure out what Phil Snow likes to do. Here's a question we kind of avoided so far. We didn't have a QB that's going to take us anywhere. I tried to buy into Cam's return, but he hasn't improved. I'm going to take a crack at this, and I'm going to pass it to Kev. So my thing is this, man. You know, we signed Cam Newton, what, two, three weeks ago? And I know we're all excited. It's a feel-good story. He's coming home, yada, yada, yada. Right. But let's be let's keep it 100 percent realistic and honest right now. You know, it's week 10 when he comes back. Right. You know, he comes in against Arizona Cardinals, throws for a touchdown, runs for a touchdown. Whoop de do. But come on. now, He's played nine reps, situational packages, goal line, short yardage type stuff. He's not really running an offense and engineering an offense. Right. Then he comes in against Washington again. Very limited playbook, read option type stuff, quarterback keepers, one read plays. He's really hasn't really dug into the playbook yet. He's only been here, you know, nine, 10 days of practice. He's missed out on mini camp. He's missed out on OTAs. He's missed out on preseason. He's missed out on training camp. He's missed out on several regular practices and nine, 10 regular season games. So no matter how good you are, you know, we think of Cam as this Superman type player. He needs practice. Everybody needs practice. You put Tom Brady out there with two, three practices on a whole new team, no access to the playbook, never played with most of the guys on the roster. This is the result you're going to get. You know, Cam was, what, five for 21, 92 yards and two picks. He looked like a guy with nine days of practice, if you ask me. I mean, what what do we expect? You know, I think this was more of a feel-good story for Matt Rule. They were It was a sinking ship. They brought in Cam to try to energize the fan base. We bought into it. We got excited. Cam's back. We saw what he did in 2015, 2017. He's carried bad offenses before. Yada, yada, yada. But now, 
we're starting to see, I mean, he's human. He puts his pants on the same way P.J. Walker does, the same way Sam Darnold does. Man, he needs practice reps. So, I mean, asking him to come in this late into the season with no playbook, no familiarity with the system, things like that, that's asking a lot of him. You know, even him, a player of his caliber, that's accomplished what he has. So I think we just have to normalize our expectations a little bit, take a step back. You know, it's unfortunate for him because he's playing on an extension. He's going to have some bad tape out there because he's basically playing like a chicken with his head cut off. He doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know the two-minute drill. He doesn't know hurry up. You know, he's basically on a limited playbook playing backyard ball right now. So, you know, I think we just got to normalize our expectations a little bit with Cam. We're not going to see him clicking on all cylinders, you know, for another couple of weeks, if not, maybe not this entire year. So what's your thoughts on that, Kev? I mean, you pretty much just crushed it, you know, with your great analysis here. I mean, again, just looking over the timeline here, what's today? Monday, November 29th. You know, Cam, you know, officially got signed on Thursday, November 11th on Veterans Day. You know, that was just 18 days ago. And, you know, the fact that, you know, this comment here that uh, I tried to buy in Cam's return, but he hasn't approved. Uh, what realistic, fair expectations did you have? You know, um, because at the end of the day, like he, like he pointed out, all the great points, Will, you're talking about somebody that, what, three weeks ago, what, which would have been the eighth, um, he admitted he was, you know, eating cereal with his kids, playing with his kids. You know, yeah, he does his typical um, awesome individual workout, but that's not the same as practice. So you're basically taking someone that's off the couch and you're expecting to have the same type of impact he had in either 2015, hell, even 2018. And that's just really an unfair observation. But because we're because we're pointing out valid reasons for Cam, we're going to be labeled as what Cam defenders or Cam loyalists when we're simply just calling out established facts and proven things. Because at the end of the day, Will, you know, JD, you know, I made a post about it in uh, the main Panther group. I said there's three Cam Newton, the return of Cam Newton reminded me there's three type of fans in this Carolina Panther fan base. Number one, you got the anti-Cam fans. These are fans that no matter what Cam Newton does, there's going to find something wrong with it. When he had a great game last week, even though we lost, oh, he lost. That's the tenth, that's the ninth game in a row that he started. We've lost, you know, you know, twenty-one for twenty-seven and three touchdowns. You know, wasn't good enough. So now we got a complete opposite this next week. Oh, he's trash. You know, this, that, and the third. So you're gonna have fans that's just ready to just dissect Cam Newton apart under any circumstances, no matter how his individual performance is. So we get that. Then you're going to have what I call the counter fans. These are the fans that see no wrong in Cam and they'll blame everybody but the team. I saw a few of those out here today, you know, talking about the O-line, which was trash, which played like ass. Uh, let's, you know, let's not, you know, ignore it. But prior to that, they had a good month stretch where they were playing um, very good above average play on both run blocking and pass blocking. Uh, but overall, for the season, I, I got him maybe like at a C minus right now with that performance. Maybe yesterday, maybe a D plus. Um, and then you got the fans like like here with us here, the four man rush. You know, we'll we'll call out the bad. We'll celebrate the good. You know, we don't care nothing about personal attires and wardrobe. At the end of the day, we just want to see our team play well and win. 
that's all that we want. So when when these type of comments come out, you know, it just really make me feel like, you know, what's the motive? You know, how fair are you being? You know, what what realistic expectations did you have for this man? You know, now if Cam had the same time that say a Sam Donald had and performed like this, then yes, you have ever liked to rip his ass wide open, you know, with these type of comments. But again, three weeks ago, this man was playing with his kids, not doing anything. It's not fair, but I'm not going to change anybody's mind by saying all this. But I, again, once again, we just have to make it known that we, you know, we see it, we call it out, and we deal with it up front. You know, there's not some for some people. You know, Cam was on a short lease the first time he had a bad game. Oh, it's it's, it's over and done with. So, uh, well, you know my stance on it. That's just how I feel. I know, JD, you uh, graded Cam this past game. When you were watching the film, what kind of things did you notice? He just looked rusty and his timing was off. Uh, his wide receivers not helping him out. His old line, you know, I know we old line, we already know they had an off night. What types of things did you see on film that you saw from Cam this last game? Yeah, I graded him out as a zero. Um, so the lowest grade before that this season would have been Sam Darnold 1.7 in his last game um, played. Yeah, this game, everything that could go wrong went wrong. So as far as um, pass protection, Miami runs a lot of zero cover zero blitz. Um, they do that a ton um, off man coverage, and then they'll mix it up and come up and press you in man coverage. So that that um, their their defensive scheme applying pressure to our pass um, our pass protection outside of. Um, rushing like when a defense rushes their normal say they only rush four or five guys um i mean we we've picked that up in the past couple of games so that's not the issue um it's the it's the communication and the uh, with the stunts the twists on that on top of that um we slide projection one way as soon as we look at the line um look at that that direction or as soon as our head, center's head goes that direction their rusher drops off in the coverage. So it's it Miami has been um especially these last two games they played, they have been excellent at keying in on um those communication weaknesses. So there's that. And then you got um balls being batted down, running backs um underneath. Um I don't know if they're not getting enough depth in their check down routes, but like they, we had a lot of better balls. Maybe that's because the ball is coming out too flat. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, that happened. Some terrible routes by DJ, and I'm not going. I'm not going to do that because my doctor said think about positive stuff. So I'm I already went through that phase. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to put myself through that again. Um, but DJ is not a wide receiver. One. I'm going to say that again. Uh, there's that. Robbie was non-existent until the last drive of the game or, or the two-minute drive. It, there was that. And then there were just some throws flat out that Cam Newton missed. A um, couple guys he missed. He rushed the um, – he'll rush himself to try to get the ball out before the pressure gets to him, not setting his feet. Um, missed the guy. Missed, misses the, the throw. So – and also, there's just some throws he shouldn't have taken, point blank, period. Uh, the one interception where DJ's running a, that end-breaking route, that should have never been thrown to DJ. Um, looking back at the film now, you got one of the best corners in the league right in his hip pocket. And uh, I, I respect Cam for um, 
expecting his guy to beat him. But DJ Moore didn't even expect to beat him. I'm going to just put it that way. Um, yeah, it, it was a little bit of everything. It was just a disaster. I've never seen a game from Cam Newton like this one um, as far as how bad it was. But, again, um, it's a team game, so you can't place all the blame on them. But still, Cam Newton was bad, bro, straight up. Okay, so his next comment, didn't see. Terrence Marshall was a healthy scratch yesterday. According to Matt Rule, they wanted to elevate another player for special teams. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of how he's managed his rookies this year. I mean, Trent Scott basically graded out as a zero on PFF. We'll see what Smooth has with his grades later this week. And, you know, Deontay Brown can't get no reps. Uh, Brady Christensen's playing all over the place. Now he's got Shy Smith ain't getting no reps. And now... Terrence Marshall is a healthy scratch. So I don't know what's going on with this rookie class. Or are they underperforming in practice or what? But, I mean, at some point you got to let these guys get out there and start, um, you know, getting reps and getting better. Uh, I know Marshall, when he was healthy, uh, he was getting open. We just weren't finding him. You know, he was beating his man, and maybe he lost his confidence. I don't know. But, remember, you need a quarterback in the system to get these guys involved, and we just haven't had that consistently throughout the year. Next comment, I don't have access to watching the video of the game yesterday, but I really want to know of the pass plays, how many times did Cam have at least three seconds to throw before he had a defender on him? We'll know that when ESPN releases their pass rush win rate uh, statistics. I think that's not until tomorrow or Wednesday, right, Kev, for this game. So I don't know what that stat is at the moment. What I do know is that according to pro football focus grades, this was the lowest graded offensive line pass protection performance that they ever uh, graded since they started doing this. So take that for what it's worth. You know, I don't know if we were that bad, but uh, I don't think you need that. I don't think you need PFF or stats to show you how bad the offensive line was. Yeah, and just to answer your question, Will, uh, it usually comes out. Um, on Tuesday, they wait for the uh, Monday night game to finish up and okay. break it down. So usually, uh, usually Tuesday during the afternoon is when um, when uh, that, those type of uh, uh, advanced stats do come out. Okay, yeah. So we'll know more about the um, an answer to this question probably tomorrow. We'll post it either on our Twitter or Facebook account. Uh, don't be a cloud on a sunny day. We need to wake up every morning and keep pounding. We need to look at our opponent. Oh, always, you know that. I'm not pessimistic to want to move on from rule. What's optimistic about wanting him to stay? What's the fear in moving on from rule and snow? Um, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with that. You know, I mean, if Matt Rule wants to take a college job, I won't complain. But as far as, you know, getting fired and losing his job after year two, you know, think about Ron Rivera. At this point in 2012, he was, what, three and eight after 11 games. Well, what happened? You finished the season seven and nine. We had something to build off of. We got excited going into next year. Started slow, went one and three, but finished the year strong, went 12 and four. And after that, we won, what, three straight division titles, made the playoffs. So that's four out of five years and won a super or lost the Super Bowl in 2015. So I just think, you know, I like to wait. I like to give coaches at least three years to see what they're made of. Because, I mean, imagine if we had the same energy with Ron Rivera in 2012, he would have been out of there. We may have never went on that epic run we did from 13, 14, and 15. So um, I know it's tough now. Things aren't looking good. You know, 
things are a little shaky, but I, I mean, I still think he's done some good things with the draft. I like how he's built the defense so far. Players seem to like him still. So I mean, we'll see how it plays out um, the rest of the year. But I think if you think if you expect the rule to get fired after year two of a seven year deal, I think you kind of setting yourself up for a disappointment. I prefer to take the approach of expect him to be here next year. And I'll be pleasantly surprised if, you know, Tepper decides to move on from him or he goes the college route. So what's your thoughts on that, Kev? I know rules off to a shaky start, but lose his job worthy yet? Um, I definitely don't think he's worthy enough to lose his job. That would pretty much be a huge – that would be a huge um, slap in the face for both Tepper and Rule. Uh, I still remember when um, when Tepper explained his vision. He said it's going to be it's going to be rough at first at the start, but you know you'll you'll start to see the the the, the foundation being built. Uh, now, even though right now we currently are not enjoying seeing this foundation in year two with this current play uh, that we've seen over the past uh, several weeks, again with this bye week, um, let, let's just say let's let's just take a look and see what this team does. If we come out the blocks and smoke Atlanta at home, December the twelfth, and and you know then I'll I'll feel like okay, you know this team that got their second win. Some of us, man, it's just the Falcons or whatever, but it's a division rival that um, uh, that beat the team who beat the team that we lost to yesterday because the Jaguars beat the Dolphins. Falcons beat the um, Jaguars, and we lost to the Dolphins, so take that for what it's worth. Um, but I can get caught up as a fan in the moment and feel like that maybe Rule is in over his head I just, you know, I'll be thinking a lot about what uh what Big Smooth be saying as far as like seeing growth throughout the season. And right now it's it's really a struggle for me to see a lot of growth collectively. Yeah, we've seen individual players grow and get better, but as a unit, when we're seeing the same mistakes happen over and over and over, uh up until a couple of weeks ago, I had no idea that we was Near the, that we was top in the league in penalties. I did not know it was that bad. Um, you know, I, you know, we even had. A, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet from Trey Boston. You know, he even got on and said something. Now, you know, you can take his motive for what it's worth. Uh, but Trey obviously still follows his team. Uh, he he pointed out and said uh, things like that. That's coaching. That's coaching issues. Um, something else you brought up, Will. You know, with the offensive line shuffling. You know, Brady Christian had one of his best games against Washington, yet he sits back on the bench at initially for uh, Dennis Daly. And then when he does come into the game, he's put at guard. Uh, uh, again, it's, it's these type of decisions where you're placing these uh, players that's that's really befuddling right now. Like, I know we're just fans. I know all we have is the Internet to look up, you know, all 22 or whatever, but – Anyone that loves the game of football sees things, see certain things are just plain common sense, you know. And I think I don't know if we're trying to outthink or they're trying to just do things in a certain way to get a get the get the desired results. I have no idea. All I could do is speculate as a fan, but just for me, it's just really frustrating trying to figure out what's what's real. I mean, if we was asked each one of us, 
what's the identity of this team right now offensively? Um, you know, even with the energies, like what, what can we hang our hat on? You know, yeah, we got a talented defense, but if they don't have a big lead to play with to turn loose all the blitzes, then what? You know, when teams had decided they're just going to sit up and pound on us, that's exactly what they've done. You know, our motto was keep pounding, but when teams think think to play to bring the pounding to us, more times out of not, more times out of not, that's what what ends up happening. So, in year two, as we're looking towards the quote unquote turnaround year in year three, what is the identity? What is the true identity of this team with five games left remaining in the season? And it's really hard for me to pinpoint and say what it what it really is. So, um, but to answer your question. Uh, I don't think he should get fired, even though in, in the moment I had thoughts of that um, in the last 24 hours. But no, um, I think Matt Rule definitely, if one of these college jobs gives him, don't give him an offer he can't refuse. Um, if he's here, I, I definitely think Tepper needs to let him uh, get to his year three of his plan. Hey, Will, you're muted. Okay. There why, you isn't Gilmore, <laughs> yeah. why isn't Gilmore on opponents number one is the question here? And my answer to that is, you know, what they're doing with Gilmore is they're using them in what they call a star position. You're seeing a lot of teams do that with their best corner now. Jalen Ramsey's playing a lot of the slot as well. And, and, you know, they're shadowing, you know, bigger slot receivers and they're shadowing tight ends as well. Uh, yesterday, Stephon Gilmore was covering Mike Gesicki, um, you know, one of the Dolphins' best weapons. I mean, Gesicki had three catches, 17 yards. I don't know if any of those were on Stephon and one-on-one coverage, but that was his – Assignment on a lot of his snaps yesterday in Atlanta, he was shadowing Kyle Pitts, you know, hybrid wide receiver, tight end guy, followed him around the field. So I think, you know, that's kind of just how they're using Gilmore right now. Uh, and I think it's about matchups too. Jalen Waddle's a speedster, you know, I mean, Gilmore's a 4-3-8 guy, but remember he's coming off a quad injury. And I don't know if he's still running that fast as he did back in 2012 in the NFL draft. Right. So they want to put the faster guy, Dante Jackson, on a speed guy like uh, Jalen Waddle. And like I said earlier, you know, if you watch how the Patriots use Gilmore as well, watch the Chiefs Patriots matchup and how Belichick defended Mahomes in that offense. They had Gilmore on Sammy Watkins, their other corner, Jonathan Jones on Tyreek Hill. And they, they that allowed them to take Sammy Watkins out of the game and double Tyreek Hill with Jonathan Jones and having a safety over top. So I think you'll see both, depending on who the receiver is. You know, I think next week or the week after next against Kyle Pitts, Gilmore will shadow him. But the smaller, you know, quicker speed guys, you'll see Dante Jackson or possibly even C.J. Henderson at some point match up with them. 47 and 43 as a college and, uh, I mean, you want to criticize Rule all you want, but when you look at his overall record, that's kind of misleading. you got to look at where they started and where they ended, right? Temple was, what, 1-10. He took them to 10-3 and three in two, three years. Baylor was 1-11, took them to 
you know, a bowl game. And I think what were they? Same thing, 11 and two or something like that. So yep. you can't look at his overall record because it's not considering the progress he made from year one to year three at those programs. You know, he took over. Those programs were in bad condition when he took them over and he left there. They were pretty good, you know, in pretty good shape. I think we give rule one more year because the defense is talented. Now I need to fix the O line and maybe grab a vet. That's another question. We talk about rule getting another uh, year. What's your thoughts about uh, Joe Brady? I'll let you answer that one, JD. It's it's tough um, because he's been dealt this this um, this O line. Um, I'm sure he's not the person who um, or the final say person in who the draft choices were or um, who who are free agents we can target in our budget. But it, it's tough to open up your full office of playbook when you know you're working with limitations um, as far as pass blocking. Um, when you know you're working with limitations as far as quarterbacking, um, Joe Brady was given a, a broken quarterback and said, and, and was told, um, find a way to fix him. Um, Joe Brady was given Pat F line, Cam Irvin on the set, the first day, the dawn of free agency immediately. That's who we went to. And he was, he was told, okay, now build, um, build a, a offense that can sustain drives and score touchdowns. Um, he inherited a Christian McCaffrey who needs to be on the snap count, but because we don't have another or, or we released all the other running backs that have that same skill set. Now he's forced to be getting the touches early in the season. So it, it it's, it's tough for me for Joe Brady because you can see the brilliance of some of the play design, um, especially if you watch the film route concepts, all those things, um, even with limitations at O line and um, quarterback, you see, you see, you can see the excellence there. But I just don't know if he, um, even the improvement in the run game, because at one point in this season we were not running the ball well at all. Um, we made the adjustment, went to more um, outside outside zone type stretch plays, and immediately now we're we're running the ball much better. So I, it's it's tough for me for Joe Brady. Because I do think he's a little bit overrated and overly touted as offensive coordinator, um, just by the fact that he had seven or eight, uh, five or seven, five, six or seven um, NFL first round talents with him in LSU with Joe Burrow and all those cats. Then he comes here and is expected to be an offensive guru. So, um, I would give him another year, honestly. I, I don't see any reason not to give this whole regime another year. Um, especially if I think if Rule stays, then Joe Brady stays, then Phil Snow stays. I think if Rule is gone, both those guys are gone. So I, I would I would give the staff one more year altogether, um, given that we see some improvement um, over these next five games. But you got to give him a, a shot to to um, work with uh, a unit, an O-line that's not fragmented every other game by your head coach. Um, you got to give him time with a quarterback. He hasn't even had a, a quarterback in the NFL um, to be an incumbent in a scheme yet because Teddy Bridgewater started to see, starts the season. They trade him. Sam Darnold, this is his first season here. Um, it looks like he's going to be gone or moved in some 
from fat former fashion, according to what Scott Fitterer said in his press conference. So I, I think you got, you kind of got to give the man a shot, a legitimate shot. Kev, I'll let you answer this one. What do you think about the offensive line musical chairs Matt Rule was playing? So Christensen has his best game at left tackle a week ago, goes to the bench, put Daly at left tackle, and they put um, – uh, Michael Jordan at left guard. Jordan gets some penalties, bench Jordan, then put Christensen at left guard with Daly at left tackle. And what's going on with these rotations? And are you a fan of that? Um, I'm definitely not a fan of that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I get the uh, penalties and, uh, and mistakes. But when you take out your most uh, passionate, your most uh, dominant uh, offensive player in Michael Jordan on I me mean, over some penalties. Uh, again, I'm not saying that uh, that I'm making excuses for it, but you're pretty much telling your players play mistake free or you're going to get benched. A lot of times you got to play through the bad plays to get to the good plays. You know what I'm saying? And Will, you said this several times. How many times has there been where we all get caught up on a, th you know, out of 70 snaps? You know, we'll only focus on the five bad plays and, and, and forget about the rest. You know, offensive line is all about chemistry. It's all about cohesion. Uh, you know, you, you practice all week with Michael Jordan left guard, and then you suddenly pull him early in the first half, you know, over some over some penalties. Not due, not due to the injury, but, you know, penalties. Um, and when you do that, you take someone who – played his best game easily at left tackle just last week against Washington and Brady Christensen, and you put him at left guard. Why? If anything, put Daly at left guard and put Brady Christensen back at left tackle. Now, yo, you, everybody knows me, me and Big Smooth from day one were not fans of Brady Christensen. You know, so for me to be saying that, it shows that there's been some uh, improvement, there's been some growth, there's been some development in Brady Christensen's game to feel that way. And I honestly think that he should have started. I, I don't know what it is that the offensive line coach and Matt Rule see during the week to validate their reasons behind what they're doing on the offensive line. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I think it throws off the chemistry uh, tremendously, the, uh, the ability to communicate the line calls, you know, uh, you know, knowing what the guy beside you is going to do. Um, all, all of these things are factors playing in the trenches that, that you know, you just don't take one guy and plug him right in and expect the same thing to happen. Um, so I'm definitely not a fan of this, of what Matt Rue did. Brady Christensen should have got to start at left tackle. Um, and Michael Jordan should have never been taken out of the game. There's another – Good comment here. Our interior pressure has been inconsistent lately. So what we know this last game, I guess what I learned after, I wasn't aware of it uh, when the game started, was that Matt Rule actually benched uh, Derek Brown for poor performance following last week's game. So Bravion Roy got the start this week. Then you look at the snap counts. I mean, Derek Brown only played 49% of the snaps this week. So it looks like, you know, Derek Brown's being punished for not Playing well. So, Kev, I know you're a trench guy. We're a huge uh, Derrick Brown fan coming out of Auburn. What do you think is going on with DB? And you think benching him is going to motivate him and make him better at all? 
No, I definitely don't think benching him um, is going to make him better. Uh, first of all, we're already short at defensive tackle. Now, I did notice that uh, we did finally get some regular season play out of uh, the uh, seventh-round pick, uh, Phil Hotskins, yesterday. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was able to come in and get a sack um, as well. So, you know, that was, you know, that was nice to see, you know, in his first, uh, first game action, you know, of the year. Uh, yep. He had a uh, two tackles, he had a tackle for loss, he had a sack and he had a quarterback hit. So, you know, there you go. Phil Hoskins, a seventh round pick, you know, I think for, you know, first significant game action of the season, I think that's not a bad way to get started. You know, he's got ones all across the boards, one quarterback hit, one tackle for loss, one sack, two tackles. Only thing he didn't have was a um, obviously a um, a pass defended or whatever. But as far as going back to Derrick Brown, uh, no, that's you know that's your top ten pick. Um, I think that you continue to coach him up. Uh, like I said, this buy may be coming at the right time where players just need to just need to get away from all everything and just rechannel, re-energize themselves. But Derrick Brown, uh, as a man, he needs to look at himself and look at his play and realize that he can't overpower everybody in this league. I, I still think that there's times that he relies too much on his power and it, it allows that leverage that he gives up to be used against him and moves him out the way and get him, um, put him in bad position. So, uh, but you things like that you play through. Benching him is not going to prove anything to him or make him better, and it's definitely not going to make the uh, – Definitely not going to make the defense better because, again, where we're getting gashed at is pretty much off tackles, you know, with these run plays, you know, which is to the outside, you know, the C hole, the C gap and D gap is where teams are finding a lot of success with us. Uh, you know, for the fact that even though they only had 111 yards and 39 carries, uh, no one averaged more than 3.5 yards yesterday for Miami. The fact that this team who was averaging, you know, dead. Managed to put up 100 yards against his defense. It pissed me the hell off. You know, it it, it really did. Now I know the turnovers put us in short field situations, uh, but the fact that there's 100 yards rushing by the Miami Dolphins against this defense, which I said on the previous podcast, they may not give up no more than 50. Um, I don't like that. Time of possession was 38 minutes to 22 uh, minutes. So yeah, taking Derrick Brown off during this little struggle stretch because he was playing very good prior um i just think would not be a benefit for neither him or the team yeah i mean i think with defensive tackles too i mean think about k1 short when we was drafted with 2013 draft you know 2013 he's solid 2014 is solid then what happens in 2015 15 16 17 18 he's arguably a top five top 10 interior defensive lineman in the entire league so Players develop at different paces. I think we've seen flashes from Derrick Brown on the type of player he can be. You watch the Minnesota game. Don't believe me. Uh, Greg Cosell from NFL Break NFL Matchup basically said Derrick Brown was the best player on the entire field that game. So I think it's just a matter of being more consistent with his play, utilizing his hands more, adding more rush moves to his arsenal. And I think he can do. He's shown all those things in college. So I think maybe year three is when we'll start to see him be the dominant, consistently dominant player that we expected him to be when we drafted him. So 
I think that's just the thing with rookies too. You know, he's not a rookie, but you know, rookies, second year players, they take any time to develop. You know, look at Brian Burns. He's still getting better and has a lot to work on and he'll be a fantastic player for us for years to come. So we just got to be patient with these guys, let them grow, let them develop, you know, learn from their failures and, you know, we'll see them at their best, you know, year three or four of their contract. I'll let you talk about uh, this one, JD. What do you think of Chase Blackburn's performance on special teams this year between the kicking units, return units, you know, punt block. I think it's the second time we got a punt block this year. Yeah, first time would have been Minnesota, I think. Yeah, so what you think about these um, special teams unit this year? I want to say I'm concerned. Honestly, we should never even be in a position to punt the ball inside our own 30-yard line anyway. So both of our punt blocks have been from our own territory. So, I mean, yes, you can – You can. there's cause to blame for the protection and – getting beat on stunts and not um, doing your assignment or blocking your assignment. I, I find it hard to place blame on special teams because your offense should at least be able to pick up enough first downs to give you room to play field position at very, at the very least. So while, while I will agree that a lot of this could be placed on um, special teams coaching. Just get first downs, bro. Score points. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and argue about special teams. You know, like, just do your let let the offense do their job, right? Tell DJ Moore stop being a fraud. Like, come on now. I'm not gonna. Nah, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna blame Lachlan Edwards and and uh. Now Chuba know he he did wrong for not. Uh, for trying to block the, the edge guy, but come on now. We, we we talking about special teams. Special teams? Special teams. And we got to. I mean, we know you're the biggest Alex Erickson fan in the entire group. Isn't that your boy? <laughs> boy, I said Alex Erickson is the white Pharaoh Cooper, bro. Straight up. He just white. Now, same dude. Same same yards after the catch of the punt, all that good stuff. Same speed, look like. Um, yeah, we talking about special teams, though. I mean, yeah, you can lose. Yeah, mo what's the stat? Like, if you block a punt for a touchdown, you lose, what, like 97%, 70% of the time, 80% of the time? Yeah, something like that. We block a punt on special teams for a touchdown, and we lose the game, so. I mean, look, bruh, yeah, yeah, um, special teams can block punt for punts better. Yes, field goal unit can block the block for field goal units better. Field goals better. Field goal attempts better. Score touchdowns, bruh. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got to say about it. All right, what's well, uh, approaching the hour now? I think we've got all, through all of the uh, fan comments and questions. Uh, heading into the bye week, so can't lose this week, so that's a good news. Uh, Kev, you got any final comments before we call it a night? Yo, I just want to say I had a great time in Miami. Uh, man, Panther fans was up in up in there pretty deep. I mean, damn, it, we could have really turned Miami into a Panther party had the uh, team showed up um, here, but 
you know, I get it. Uh, you know, it was just uh, just one of those things. Uh, um, good thing is we won't have to go back and play at Miami in a regular season game until, uh, what, eight years from now? The last time we played at Miami was 2013. This is 2021. So uh, we'll see you again in Miami in 2029 <laughs> based on the current NFL schedule uh, set up. But, um, you know, I appreciate all the fans. I had a lot of fans from the four-man rush check in on me, send me a message. So I appreciate you guys uh, showing love, showing support. Uh, you know, while I was down there, you know, just wanted to make sure I you know, did my part for the four-man rush to represent um doing the trip glad i made it back safe and um appreciate you guys for checking in on me that, that really means a lot All right jd any last words y'all i've been listening to the r&b old school r&b like it, it boy thank y'all for being true fans though because like look Y'all salute to y'all, bro, because it, it's hard out here now. Like, Cam, they can't, the, the high from Cam coming back don't wall off. Like, we, we in hungover se- hangover season right now, like, straight up. So, salute to y'all for sticking through it, bro, because look. All right, well, everybody enjoy the bye week. Hope you enjoy some other games to watch. Don't have to watch the stress over the Panthers this week. Appreciate y'all for tuning in tonight. Be sure I'll post the podcast up on Omni so you can listen back if you miss something. Hear it on Spotify, iTunes, or Omni platform as well. Other than that, uh, keep pounding. We'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Then we'll break down the uh, Falcons game, the rematch. Hopefully we'll get some guests on here so we can interact with some Falcons fans with y'all as well. So have a good night, y'all.